Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Bull Street Podcast. I'm Tim Kurtz. This podcast was designed to equip you to know Christ and tell of His amazing grace between Sundays. For more information about our church, please visit bullstreet.org. Tonight is a very exciting night in the life of our church. Two men have been put forward as candidates for the office of elder, and three men have been put forward as candidates for the office of deacon. And we have the privilege as a congregationally governed church to come together and vote and affirm these men in these offices. So if you are a member of Bull Street, we would encourage you to make it. It's going to be a wonderful way to participate with the body together. Well, speaking of the local church and our elders at Bull Street, last week we concluded our summer series with a panel consisting of the elders of Bull Street with our lead pastor, Calvin Fowler, moderating. The topic was thinking biblically about the church. Our panel tonight is uh, our elders, uh, minus Pat Talley. He's at home recovering from a procedure today. Ed and Doug and Tim and Andrew, I want you to just think for just a minute together and, and think about the question, what is the church? We're going to talk about the nature of the church, the, the identity of the church, the mission of the church, the purpose, all of those kinds of things. But maybe let's just start uh, with some basics. What is the church? Well, I have a question to ask about that. Can you have a church of one? It doesn't seem reasonable to me that you just have one person, but our uh, mission is to disciple uh, to go and win and baptize and disciple. And, and so I would assume that that's one of the things that the church does. It's part of the body of Christ. Okay. So maybe would you say the church is the body of Christ? Okay. So one of the metaphors right there, that would give us a little bit of uh, some description about what the church is. What else? It's the body of Christ incarnate in this age that we're in. So God has revealed himself in, in many ways, at many times, in different ways. Um, but up to the point that Christ came in the flesh, then he ascended and spoke by his Holy Spirit through some epistles. But, but now we see God at work in the world through the church. The church is the hands and feet of Christ in the world. So I think... I would argue that you can't have a church of one. It's a gathering of people, at least, because we all need to be converted. Like, we need to be believers, and that happens at an individual level. But the church doesn't become the church until believers come together in, in a gathered form. So believers and a gathering of believers, a body, the body of Christ. Uh, what else? Well, you just pointed to, I think, what has been uh, assumed, and that is that the church is uh, a group of people that have been born again, and it's expressed in a local reality and a universal reality. So two expressions, but one thing uniting all of those people together, and that is that their hearts have been changed by the Holy Spirit, and their faith is in Christ alone. And 
on the opposite end of what is church not. Um, church is not the building. And we just went through this you know, awesome building project and everything. But that's not the church. The church is the people coming in together, meeting with one purpose, and that is to worship and glorify God, who are believers themselves. And, uh, and that is the church. So the church is not the building. The church is the people. Related to that, there's a, a uh, gathered church as we gather uh, in a specific place. And then there is a scattered church that is all united together under a covenant that we've agreed to, but we're not all in the same place at the same time all the time. And so there's two realities of that local church, a gathered reality and a scattered reality. Yeah, let me read a passage of scripture from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to this. Paul says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Okay, so there's a local reality of the church, right? To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, so uh, who have been set apart for his holy purposes, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So what's, what's Paul talking about there? He's, he's talking about two realities, right? The universal church, believers who have called on the name of Jesus everywhere, and then those who are locally together gathering, practically caring for one another in a, in a local uh, congregation. Good. All right, what about this uh, passage right here in Hebrews chapter 12? Here's another reality to think about the church. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, into the assembly of the firstborn. Literally, the word is ecclesia. They are the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So what, what's the writer to the Hebrews talking about there? It's even a little bit different than just the local and universal church. It's really giving us a picture of another aspect of the church. Yeah, I think um, I've always thought of that as a part of the universal church. But I think you know we could say within the universal church, there is the church present and then the church that has already gone before us. And perhaps we could even say, because of God's uh, foreknowledge, there's a church that even comes after us that's already foreknown by him. And so that would also be included in the universal church as well. It's not just the people that are present right now on this earth, but there's a bigger picture of, of what God is doing. And I think we don't actually see the fulfillment of that until Revelation, when we do see every tongue and tribe around the throne, there's the church finally all in one place together. There's coming a day where the universal church will be a local church. It'll be one and the same. But in our limited capacities now as finite people still living in this present age, the universal church is expressed through local bodies because we can't be everywhere in one place. Like one day we will be together around the throne in one place. It's a glorious thought, this great reality. 
when I was in seminary, I wrote a, uh, I took a class on the doctrine of the church, and one of the assignments was to write a, a definition of the church in a hundred words. So really tight, kind of bringing together everything that we had studied. And, and so here was the definition that I wrote, and I took a stab at it. So I want thinking about what we've talked about and uh, add to it, critique it, and, and see if we can fill it out a little bit more. But here was the definition that I wrote. The church of Jesus Christ is a unified body of redeemed sinners existing heavenly as those who have died in Christ and now reside in his presence, universally as a holy priesthood from every nation, and locally as congregations assembled under the headship of Christ in covenant communities. Led by a plurality of elders and supported through the practical ministries of the deacons, it gathers to hear the word of God preached, to observe the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and to administer church discipline. It is a called and sent missional and doxological community founded on the apostolic writings recorded in Scripture and Christ-centered in its confession. So can you pick up on some of the things that we've been talking about? And even, even Andrew, you've been studying the history of the church and kind of some of the attributes of the church in history. Can you pick up on even some of those? One, universal, holy, apostolic. Yeah, definitely. And then even getting into reformational points as well that you highlighted of expository, well, not expository necessarily, but preaching, faithful preaching, the exercise of the ordinances and the church discipline. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a pretty good summary of the major historical marks of the church uh, as it relates to its expression in the local church. I think maybe just one thing to push even further is that the church is one. And maybe that was in there somewhere and I just missed it. But I think as we're talking about universal, local, uh, scattered and gathered, it's also important for us to, to be reminded that the church is, is one united body under the headship and shepherding of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. Yes, the church of Jesus Christ is a unified body of redeemed sinners. Think about this passage from Ephesians chapter 4. There, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, speaking of the unity of the church. So if we don't recognize that the church is a universal body, if we only think of it as a local body, and if we only think of it as a universal body and not a local body, what are some of the, the pitfalls there? What are some of the implications there if we don't recognize when we talk about the church, the distinctiveness of the universal church and the local church. I think Paul had a, a perception of the church that possibly the original members of the local churches might not have had when he encouraged the, the churches to give an offering back to the, the church that was the originator of all these uh, back in Jerusalem. 
he was encouraging them to participate in part of the overall church, uh, help one member uh, of the group helping others and so forth. And so our responsibility isn't just in our local things where we're working in our own uh, fields right here, but beyond, and to be concerned for those who are being martyred. And even now in Afghanistan, we have brothers and sisters that are uh, in real danger, uh, and we need to be concerned and praying for them because we, we need to, they are part of us. They're part of, of the body of Christ. Not the local body, but they're part of the body of Christ that, that we're part of. Amen. We're members of one another. Those are our brothers and sisters that we are united to through faith in Jesus Christ. And when they're hurting, we should feel it. And when we don't, it's because we, we may not see that, that distinction between the local body and the universal body. And then we miss that opportunity to care and to pray for them. What about the flip side of that? If we only think of the universal body of Christ, uh, what's the pitfall there in not understanding the local body? Well, I believe it's not being, if you only believe it in the universal body, then you're not really connecting with the local body and in community. How many times have you heard someone say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't attend church, you know? I don't have oh, to, that right? church of one, huh? Yeah, church of one is sitting in front of the TV, you know. and, and uh, First church of the Inner Springs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And, and, and that's what you have. You have, well, I don't have, to, I don't have to do that because I'm part of the universal church. I always hear people say, well, I can worship wherever I want to. I can worship in the woods. I'm like, why does everybody always want to worship in the woods? Yeah. You can worship on a golf course. And, and you, know, you know, people and, say that, but... I don't think any of them are actually doing that. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. That's exactly right. So really understanding the local church and how God has ordained the local church helps us to understand our responsibility, our covenant commitment to a body to be devoted to one another and devoted together in the pursuit of Christ. And even thinking about those first believers in Acts chapter 2, where Luke records, he says this, he says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking and, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So we talk about this in our new members class. A great summary word for membership is found right there, and they devoted themselves. Really, membership is about devotion, devoting themselves together with other believers in the pursuit of Christ, growing in Christ's likeness. And I think that devotion is, is reflecting the reality that we're a family. And, and because of that, we're able to disagree with one another, have conflict with one another, and still love one another. I love the line in our covenant that says, we'll be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation. And that's the posture of, of the local church to one another. And, and we recognize, you know, if there's someone in need, we're going to do everything we can to meet that need because we're family. And I think that's uh, something you miss if you're not connected to the local church. One of the things that when I talked about the church of one, God is, is interested in shaping us to become like his son. 
And one of the ways he does it is through the members of our church together. And so if I go out and say, well, I just can't stand those folks there or they can't stand me, uh, we're resisting God in his shaping of us by the very fact that we cease to join together with the local church. I was going to say, I think both of those pitfalls that you're asking about, there's, um, it's easy to think of the local versus the universal as in like Savannah or global, but there's also a local and universal that's with a closer proximity that if we emphasize too much the local, and I'm just thinking through my own personal weaknesses and my lens through college ministry, it's easy for me to say, get very like us versus them language of look what that church is doing, look what that church is doing, and then jealousy and bitterness and striving can come about instead of just celebrating what the Lord is doing in Savannah, in the greater Savannah area. But on the flip side, I've seen there be these ecumenical kind of good feeling, let's all get together and 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 do something without enough grounding in local bodies that then it's like, well, that maybe was a good, you know, one-time thing that you did, but there's not the the beauty of pushing people to prefer one another and to serve a local body and to experience the sanctification that only comes through those means, not just the kind of one-time events. Yeah, that's good. And it reminds me of my professor at the time that I was taking that class was Greg Allison. He wrote a book. Uh, Andrew's got in his office now and, and really added to the discussion of history when when uh, it's been discussed is the church is one holy apostolic universal or uh, Catholic church. We're not talking about Roman Catholic. We're talking about universal when we say Catholic, like in the Apostles' Creed, when it says, I believe in holy Catholic church, it means the universal church, like what we're talking about. But Allison adds a several distinctives of the church that that are really helpful. And one of the things is confessional. So we're unified in our confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're unified in our confession of the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. And we're unified in that confession. He also says the church is doxological. Now, Andrew is the worship pastor. You should help us explain, help us understand what that means. Help us understand. Uh, well, dox uh, comes from Greek, the Greek word for uh, glory. And so we're uh, doxological in the sense that we're ascribing glory to the one who's worthy of it. And we're doing that together. Amen. So uh, Allison says, the church exists as a holy priesthood to offer sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to God. That's who we are. In fact, in 1 Peter, it says, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he tells us who we are and what we're to do, you know, what our responsibility is. He also says, Uh, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what Greg Allison is talking about, is we're a doxological community. Uh, He also says that the church is missional, kind of coming out of that, that we've We've got a purpose, and you know, we've been sent, we've been commissioned by our Savior, Jesus Christ, to, to get the good news 
to the ends of the earth. Confessional, we talked about that. He says that the church is covenantal, meaning that we are a an assembly of new covenant believers, those who are believers. And, and we've been marked by the new covenant sign, which is baptism. So the church is covenantal, meaning we're in covenant with God through Christ and in covenant with one another. But the last thing is, is interesting. Uh, he says the church is spatial. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Let me tell you what he means by that. When Allison says that the church is spatial, he means that the church is an actual place where things happen. So a lot of times we talk about the church is not the building, it's the people, right? But then we, I think what he's getting at is we miss many times the reality that the church is an assembly and we gather at a place regularly and this is the place where God meets with his people uniquely. So he says, so I wrote this. Uh, I want you to interact with it and, and, and uh, critique it or tell me what you think. I said, we've put so much emphasis on teaching that the church is not a building, but rather a community of believers who gather together to worship Christ and serve each other, that we've missed the reality and the importance of the church being an actual place where extraordinary things happen daily, weekly, and yearly. Because of this, we have generations of individuals who call themselves Christians but refuse to gather in particular times and places with other Christians. They've simply missed the fact that the church gathers. They are lone rangers who have bought into a lie that it is possible to love Christ and not care for his body. So... What are the implications of that? If, if Allison is right uh, about the church being spatial, uh, what are the implications of that? And how can we really celebrate that reality? say the church building itself is not a sacred space and I think Allison would agree with me on that you know and, and pushing back there against uh, maybe a Jewish synagogue kind of idea or even a Catholic idea of an altar and places that are sacred where sacred things are taking place and uh, bread is becoming the body of Jesus and these are you know places that are holy I think what we would say about our space, our building, is that it's special. And so it's special because we meet um, weekly uh, to worship together. It's special because we have funerals here. It's special because we have weddings here. It's, specially, it's special because this is a place that we um, are a family together. This is our living room, in a sense. And I think that leads us to want to treat our space with a certain kind of care but it also gives us the freedom to allow it to not be sacred, which I think protects us from idolatry in our own hearts, especially with small children, 
that may be running around in special places, we can say, this is okay, because this is not sacred. And if Bull Street Baptist Church burned down tomorrow, uh, the church, Bull Street Baptist, would continue beyond the space. So I think he's right, and he's trying to bring us back to the middle to say, uh, yes, the church is a body, but that doesn't mean the space isn't important. It is, um, but it's not ultimate. That kind of language comes from you. I think that, that idea of it can be ultimate or it can be important, and those are different things. Yeah, I think he's using, instead of saying, you know, like the scripture says that we are living stones. We, the, the people, the body of Christ, are living stones being built together into a holy temple uh, for the presence of God by the Spirit, right? So, so we're not talking about bricks and mortar. So he's not saying the church is bricks and mortar. He's not saying the church is a building. He's saying that an aspect of the church is that it is spatial, meaning that we meet. We're uh, gathering people, real time, real place, and so place matters in a sense because this is where special things are taking place, extraordinary things are taking place. Um, Jonathan Lehman has used an illustration that's always just been so clear to me of just a sports team. So NBA fan, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook are all Los Angeles Lakers. They are no less Lakers just because it's the offseason. And Staples Center is not the Lakers. But there's something happen when, happens when those men come together and step on the court together that they in some way become the Lakers in that moment because they are now the team doing something. Um, or they could be coming together to practice. And I think that gets back to the church being missional. Like we, we can't do what we are called to do until we come together as the body, even if, even if we do that, you know, throughout the week in a scattered way. Um, there's, yeah, there's something about us gathering that, that matters. Which in turn is what makes Sunday so special. Amen. Is that, we, that's, is, that is the call day to meet together, to worship God, to fellowship, to have communion with one another, communion with God, of course, first. And that is why it is so special for Sundays. Uh, and that's why, you know, that, that's what Sunday is for. That's, that's the Lord's day. That's, that's the day that we, the church meets together, comes together, and does the things that we can't do individually. Uh, in this day of technology, we have met Zooming together. And that wasn't a central location, but it was together. It could be argued that if the church isn't together and never meets, then it's not a church. Uh, it's not a gathered together people. And so the meeting together is key and essential in all this. Yeah, I think that's what we've seen in, you know, in talking about this from the scriptures is that the church is a gathering of people, whether it's a gathering heavenly, uh, whether it's the reality of a universal uh, body, but locally it's expressed in a gathering, right? So that we function together as, as an assembly, uh, even what the, the word ecclesia means. Another helpful aspect of the church is Jonathan Lehman says this, kind of the title of this section is not a club, but an embassy. And it's in his book uh, called Church Membership, How the World Knows Who Represents Jesus. And Lehman says this, a church is not the kingdom, 
It's an outpost or embassy of that kingdom. What is an embassy? It's an institution that represents one nation inside another nation. It declares its home nation's interests to the host nation, and it protects the citizens of the home nation living in the host nation. So really, if you think about the church, the local church as an embassy in this sense, uh, what are some of the implications uh, to uh, the community and, and, and really how we live and represent the kingdom uh, together? What, what does that look like? Well, the first thing I think about, as you've set it up that way through Lehman's quote, is it's a, a place of safety for the believer. I mean, the culture is a place of great danger, and so we come and gather together, uh, and, and there's an element of refreshment that we get, and then we're sent out back into this foreign land that we're in. I think that's, at least for me, has been a, a, a practical way that I've seen the church manifest its embassy-likeness in my own life to say, oh, let's come together and be refreshed. Now let's be sent back out. What does it make you think about citizenship? Where is our citizenship? Well, we're citizens of the kingdom, and, and people who see us should be able to see part of the kingdom. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're sharing the message, just as Andrew said, and, and when they see us, they should, they, that's the Christ they see. We're Christ with skin on, so to speak. Yeah, so when they look at the local church, they should see what the kingdom looks like, how we live together, how we treat one another, how we speak to one another, all of those things, how we live out the Sermon on the Mount, and they should see, oh, that's what the kingdom looks like, right? So Lehman gives a definition. He says, a local church is a real-life embassy set in the present that represents Christ's future kingdom and his coming universal church. I, I do want to push back against Lehman just for a second, though, because... I think if we only see the church that way, then it will squelch our evangelism efforts. Right? Unlike an embassy, uh, the church has as its primary mission to uh, make citizens of everyone we meet to our country, not the one we reside in. And so I think that's one shortfall of, of seeing the church only as an embassy. And I think he would, not, he would want to see it bigger than that. But I think that's one thing for us to be aware of. We're not just citizens of another country occupying this one in order to experience it. No, we're trying to bring people into our own country, a Good. heavenly one. Great point. Good. It really ties into the church being missional, right? That's our entity. We're our identity. We're a called and sent missionary people of God, right? Do y'all remember when we did the, the study on coming out of the Global Impact Conference a couple years ago? It was John Piper study called Let the Nations Be Glad. And Piper says this that was so provoking. I want to uh, draw us back to this. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. So we're a, we're a doxological people, right? And we're a missional people. But Piper is saying missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. 
So our identity really now during this time is as a missional people. Uh, but one day uh, we will be recognized as a doxological people forever and then not a missional people. Those who have been a missional people for the period of sharing the gospel. Think about local church now. Let's kind of move to uh, Bull Street Baptist Church in particular. Maybe just transition by uh, thinking about some of the ways that, that Bull Street is unique. You've been a part of many churches in your lifetime. You've seen, you've heard about other great uh, works of God in, in other communities. Uh, but what is special about Bull Street Baptist Church, uh, this, this family right here that's in covenant community together? When I was in Panama, the churches that I belonged to were basically military churches. And to be able to work for the government, people retired at 55, 60 years old, nobody older than that. And so there were no members in our church that were older people. And as we came to, to Bull Street, that's one of the things that I experienced is the variety of ages from, from children all the way up to the, the, the older people. And so that's been exciting for me. I think the most unique thing uh, about Bull Street to me is the uh, ability for us to be a small congregation that means knowing everyone, that means family, that means fellowship that's sweet and special. But at the same time, the Lord has really blessed us with resources and gifts that allow us to do a lot more than what we should be able to do. <laughs> I think of you know, our GIC conference that we've had uh, since I've been here. And, and even beyond that, we've had Al Mohler come, we've had Danny Egan come, Chuck Lawless come, H.B. Charles for our men's conference. I mean, I think a church of 250, 300 people shouldn't be able to do those kinds of things. Uh, I think of the resources and the building and the space that we have and, and not having any debt. I think of the missions offerings that we've been able to give. Um, I think of the worship ministry specifically for me and the kind of personnel resources that the church has blessed us with or that the Lord has blessed our church with. It's just unbelievable. I have never been a part of a church that has both the beauty of the, the small, intimate family congregation, but all of the resources that we could want to do really anything. It's just, it blows my mind when I think about it. And I remember specifically one Sunday, Tim, you were leading worship. And that just hit me as I was in the balcony, just watching you lead and watching the congregation sing and just thinking, man, this is, this is pretty incredible uh, to be a part of a church like this. The thing that comes to my mind, just thinking from my own personal experience, is the fruit and the joy that comes from just patient faithfulness in, I think, of the, the end of uh, Ephesians 4, ending with submitting to one another. And just the, yeah, to think of, of Catherine and me being here for 10 years, and it's been my joy to submit and participate in whatever role I'm in that has led to greater responsibility and growth and discipleship that now I have, I'm up here now and I have a church that submits to my role as an elder that's so humbling. And that's, that's my own personal experience, but I've seen that over and over again throughout the body that, that we care about growing and, and raising up people and 
the only requirement is that you're there and you're faithful and you want to you want to be a part of what's going on. Um, and yeah, I just can think of countless brothers and sisters that you see like, wow, where that brother or sister is today versus five years ago, it's because of the Lord's faithfulness in their life to just be present and be faithful in the work. And now look how, how far the Lord's brought him. Um, and I think specifically in the past couple of years, getting to see the college ministry more up close and personal and seeing in a more compressed amount of time in some of the brothers and sisters that have come through that ministry to see that same kind of thing. The ones that really on day one, by the Lord's grace say, I'm going to commit to this body. Um, you just see the fruit that the Lord bears in their lives and in our church through them in such a short amount of time, um, I think is really special about, about this church. I was thinking about this as, as we were just thinking today about why I love Bull Street Baptist so much. And it's, and it's basically because we're not here to, um, we don't put walls up. We're not here to really impress one another. We're here to impress God the best that we can, to glorify God in the way that, that only we can individually. We mentioned unity a while ago, and we are called to be unified but not uniformed. So in, in being uniformed, everybody, we know what that means. I wear a uniform every day at work. We all look alike, and, uh, and, uh, but we don't look alike. We're not alike. We're, we have a likeness in the fact that we have common ground, and that common ground is Christ and what he's done for each and every one of us. So we come together to be a part of something that we can't be on our own. We come together to be a part of glorifying God in such a way that, uh, that we don't leave it up to a whole bunch of staff people to do everything, although the sometimes that does happen. I understand that. But, uh, but at the same time, every one of us, there's room for every one of us to do something. Amen. Amen. Every one of us can do something. And, and, instead, and so we don't, we don't want uh, people to sit back, and, I, and you guys are going to, I've used it before in, in meetings before, I've always heard that there's two types of people, and you guys are probably sitting there going, oh, what's he going to say? <laughs> there's pillars and there's caterpillars <laughs> in church, and we don't expect anybody to be caterpillars. We don't want anybody to sneak in and sneak out, and we don't want that. That's not, that's not what our desire is. Our desire is to worship God in a way that everybody can feel comfortable in doing their part and whatever that might be, whether it's small, big, whatever. And, uh, and that's what we're called to do, just to be pillars of the church. One of the things that, just thinking back 10 years ago when we started working on that vision statement, which I love because it, because it wasn't my vision. The Lord just helped us start it and helped me lead through it, but it was the congregation's vision. And so it's, uh, it's just, you know, what would happen if we we're faithful to our mission? What would it look like? If we're being biblically faithful, what would it look like? And, and so the first line of that statement says, we want to become a community of faith where Christ is preeminent, his word is authoritative, and his gospel is proclaimed powerfully in word and in deed. And that's one of the things I love about this church is Christ is preeminent, and his word is authoritative. Uh, the people at Bull Street tremble at the Word of God. They will take nothing less than the Word of God. They love the Word. And 
I can remember when Ed Moore came and preached, and he's, he told me, and he told other people as well, he said it was unique standing preaching because you could tell that the people wanted to hear the word. He said there was a listening in the congregation that was unique, and I find that every week that that our people love the word, and that's such a privilege to be a part of a congregation like that. I, I love the diversity and the growing diversity in our congregation, generationally, ethnically, really what the Lord is doing, highlighting the gospel and not our uh, how we're the same or you know we have all the same opinions, but that we're one in Christ. Uh, and I love the just what the Lord is doing in in the diversity of the generations and the children and the uh, the young people and the you know the the older people and what God is doing in our master's class. I mean, having 18 people come regularly every Sunday in the oldest uh, senior adult Bible study that is awesome. So. It's exciting uh, to to see, but Ed, you were talking about before when we were just praying together before uh, this discussion. You were talking about the line in the vision statement that really stands out to you that that you love, and it was about uh, how everybody is. We want everyone to be equipped, empowered, and engaged in ministry, right? And where everybody has a part in the ministry and everybody's part is valued. And as I said, that just summarizes 1 Corinthians 12, where we recognize that we need one another and we each have something that God has ordained for us to contribute to the body through gifts and through spiritual gifts and, and our presence and wisdom and all of these things, and so everybody at Bull Street can, can really play a part in the mission. Starting next week, we are very excited to be releasing some original content in the podcast feed. So if you're not subscribed already, go ahead and do that, and we'll see you then.